Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that runs Armageddon, but the show that releases a special bonus episode to celebrate the release of Commander Legends. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the Shadowcat familiar herself, Emma, and the Gavi Nest Warden himself, Mr. Gavin Verhey. How are you both doing today? I'm doing well. I'm pretty good. Um, so I will apologise for the amount of noise that you might hear on this recording because it is Guy Fawkes night, which is bonfire night in the, in the UK. Um, so we have this unnecessary need to set off fireworks in the middle of lockdown. So if you hear some random bangs, that is why. So I'm fine. Do not worry. I am doing fantastic. And you know, Emma, I like to think that all of those fireworks in the UK are for Commander Legends. Um, so I really appreciate your whole country dedicating itself to my set release. It really means a lot that you would go the extra mile. No problem. Um, I, I, I'm doing fantastic. I mean, it has been an exhausting couple weeks uh, with Commander Legends stuff because I've wanted to be so deep in the trenches on all of this um, and uh, riding all the waves. But I am so excited for this set to finally get out to people and seeing all the reactions today, especially from, you know, all of the cards that were still left to be revealed. Because it's a huge set. Not everything got shown off. And so there's still quite a few cards, um, some rares, but yes, plenty of great and exciting commons that I'm sure we'll get to later, which were just shown off today. So uh, lots of cool stuff here. And, uh, you know, it's been a long time coming on Commander Legends. I first had the idea for this set nearly six years ago. And so think about what you were doing six years ago, right? Where your life was, what was around you. I mean... It's a long time, and um, to see it grow and evolve and change and go through so many people and so much iteration to where it is now to finally hold cards in my hands. I mean, last night I filmed my uh, my Good Morning Magic video, and um, I got to I cracked open a box of Commander Legends. I just did a booster box opening, yeah. and it was this like I, I almost teared up a couple times because I was like holding <laughs> these cards that I had conceptualized so long ago and, and so much effort had gone into. And it was this really amazing experience. So I know for me, it's been an amazing yeah. time. And I've been right there with the community, like trying to listen to everything and also just, you know, see all the reactions. So um, it's been great for me. And I really appreciate you having me on the show to talk about uh, one of my favorite formats, uh, Popper, as well as all kinds of other cool stuff with Commander Legends. Absolutely, yeah. There's a, I've got a little fun fact for you, actually, Gavin. When you started designing this set, I was yet to pick up my first Magic card. Same. So... <laughs> around this time six years ago i got into magic so the first set i got into was kansatake which came around around this time like six 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 years ago and so yeah while you were brainstorming away with commander legends we were just coming into the game it is truly amazing how long <laughs> things take for us sometimes yeah. and uh it, it's neat to think about like where we all were back then and what what has happened in that time yeah. and uh yeah, I did now finally get to all experience it together. And, you know, I think just looking through, I know this isn't so much a budget thing, but looking through all of the feedback, a lot of people are loving, for example, all of the throwback legends that are in this set. And that's the thing yeah. that took a really long time to get right, like trying to get all the partners right took a very long time. And so there's just a lot of stuff that, uh, that extra time, in the same way that the extra time for Unstable, I think, really did a lot of great work in making that set awesome. Um, extra set, I think, did some great work on making making this set awesome too. So, uh, very very glad that uh, I finally get to talk about it. Um, but I'm I'm glad that we had all the time to create it. Yeah, awesome. If you enjoy the BM Cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as three dollars. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show. And their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. So just a quick little heads up for everybody at home. This is going to be a little bit more of a rough and ready episode. This is a special bonus episode that we want to try and get out as quick as possible. So this is being recorded. It's only about three hours or so, three or four hours since the full set has been released. So this is hot off the presses and we're going to be diving in and taking a look at Pauper, like we said, specifically because, well, we all love Popper here. Gavin, I know you're a fan yourself. And very much. We've got a few questions lined up. So if we're all ready, I think we're going to jump in and we're going to get started. So I'll kick us off with the first question. Gavin, what do you hope the Commander Legends downshifts will do for Popper overall? I know this is a, a bit of a broad question to start with, but... Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a couple of things just kind of set some some discussion points for uh, Popper when it comes to Commander Legends. Commander Legends is a very unique animal in that it is a f uh, draft format designed for Commander and Commander gameplay. 
And the kind of effects that are common in a commander game are very different from the kind of effects that are common in like a normal limited set of magic. Oh, yeah. And so we got to play around with that a little bit here. Um, and, and I'm sure, as I'm sure we'll get into many cards, there are plenty of, of effects that you would normally see at something like Uncommon, uh, which show up here at Common. Now, I think also to set the stage appropriately, just to, you know, before I get into some of the things I'm going to talk about today. Um, now, while I very much had Popper in mind while, while working on the set, and it was cool that we were going to be able to create some new comments for Popper, it is not like this set was designed for Popper, if that makes sense, right? Commander, of course, is for the sure. main focus here. So um, I've definitely read a number of comments online about, um, hey, it seems like you, you didn't design this for Popper. It's like, well, I, it, it was the Commander design set. There's going to be some stuff in there. And there's a big difference, and I want to make, make this clear between... Um, putting cards in the set that are good for Popper and designing the set um, entirely built around Popper. A great example of this to me is Fall from Favor. I'm sure we'll get into talking about this card a little bit later. But this was a card that I'm sure is going to make a huge Popper impact um, and that we'll be keeping an eye on as far as power level goes. But it, we, it was put at the rate that it was because of um, the Commander Legends limited format needed it. And ultimately, the limited format for a set like this needs needed to win out. For sure. Um, but there's, like I said, still some cool stuff that we did uh, with downshifts and... Um, one thing that I really wanted to do, um, and I was really excited about, and it was actually my handoff mm-hmm. to Jules Robbins, who took the set um, all the rest of the way home after I handed it off to him from Vision Design, was um, really focusing on some effects that you haven't been able to get traditionally as much of in Popper. And two big ones to me are um, sweepers, which, of course, yeah. common sweepers are not a thing you normally find in, uh, in normal limited formats, and big creatures. Popper to me, whenever I build decks, there's a lot of great, like, cheap spells, right? You can have all the preordains and ponders in the world that you want, but when it comes to stuff to do with all your six and seven mana, you start running out of options. And Commander, of course, is a format where having big, huge creatures goes a a long way. And um, we'll see how many of those big things actually end up hitting. And I know, of course, right now, you know, if you're a huge pop aficionado and hearing this, you might be thinking, well, don't these all just slot into Tron? And that's a discussion I'm sure we'll get into um, in, in a little bit. Um, but uh, I think these do a lot of things, especially long-term for the format, that will be good and healthy and giving you some some bigger things to, r- to ramp into, um, as well as some uh, cool new sweepers you can play with. There's other great toys as well, but those are two things in particular uh, I, was, I was hoping to focus on. And I guess the final one would be just an opportunity to open up new archetypes, mm. because once again, there are things that are not normally common um, like a makeshift munitions, I think is a good example of this yeah. where I don't know if the card is ultimately going to end up doing anything in popper, mm-hmm. but we haven't really gotten a common that lets you do the goblin debarment thing ever in the past. Yeah. And, um, this potentially opens up some really, really cool avenues. So, yeah, that's actually a card that we were talking about on today's episode. Like I said, we're recording on Thursday. So the, the normal one that will come out this week, uh, we were similarly thinking, we were like, we don't really see this slotting into any deck that's available at the moment that's actually seeing any play really but we think it's neat we think these kind of effects are just nice to have because it could be a case that in two years time three years time we come across a collection of cards that slot in with makeshift munitions and then all of a sudden we have a racto sacrifice deck in pauper you know so those those kind of cards sort of hold on to them and keep them in mind for when further sets come out so i think it's one of those ones that's going to get better with time and sometimes from a design perspective, like seeding those kinds of things is really nice because you make it here and maybe it's not ready for prime time yet, but you know, with a couple different cards that come out in the future, it could slide in really, really well. Or maybe it's something that isn't a tier one or tier two deck, but can really be fun at the tier three level, right? Just yep. someone wants to build their popper Aristocats deck. Um, now they have the opportunity to, and uh, I love seeing those little things in uh, where we can. Yeah. Awesome. To be honest, the best gameplay is actually a tier three and lower in Popper, in my opinion. If you just ignore the best decks, that's where the best <laughs> brewing happens and where the biggest diversity happens. It's kind of like modern. You know, if you go down a couple of tiers, that's where all of the wild and wacky decks are, where every single game is is completely different to the last one. That's real magic to me, anyway. Mm. I, I love, uh, of course, not so much right now, but in general, uh, one of my favorite times to go to like FNM would be when they'd be running either Modern or Popper FNM yeah. or Pioneer, especially in the early days of Pioneer, where you show up and anything and everything is there. <laughs> and no one's concerned about playing you know, the top best deck, but it's like you walk down a table and someone's playing their, um, uh, their like weird ghostly flicker loop deck in a loop, loop that you've never seen in your, in your life before, yeah. right? And uh, there's all kinds of cool cool stuff people come up with. So it's a great format for ingenuity and for brewing. And even though you know, there are some decks that might be at the top, um, I love how deep things go down and how much room there is for a play style. You know, yeah. for, for myself personally, a, a card that I love and have always loved 
is Mystical Teachings. It's one of my favorite um, control oh, yeah. cards. I love playing it in Standard. And for me, with Popper, a really exciting thing was... I was like, oh, wait, I can, I can play Mystical Teachings again? Sign me <laughs> up, right? So it's like hanging out with my old friends I haven't seen in a long time. And so I built a blue-black teachings deck. And even though I know it's not the best thing to do in the format... Um, for example, Tron is a pretty pretty rough matchup for, for teachings. Yeah. Um, I love playing this deck. I've been able to work on it and iterate it. And I have a version that really feels solely my own that no one else is really playing. And that's a really, really cool element of the format to me. And I, I think that's something that Popper really, really can shine at. For sure. Absolutely. You did mention some big beaters there. Um, the... <laughs> I've, take, I've taken to calling uh, the Maelstrom Colossus and the Annoyed Altasaur my big dumb idiot sons because they're just huge and splashy and I love it I took, a, I took an old version of Dreadmaw Stompy and immediately jammed those in sideways I'm going to have to send you a list it's, it's quite nice it, it feels good I've been goldfishing it and I've, I've got to say it feels good to cast an 8 drop that then gets you sometimes a 7 drop sometimes a 2 drop just wait till you cascade one into the other. That's the real. Oh. That's that's the dream. That's the money. <laughs> yeah, that's a good feeling. And you know, in, in Popper, like you've got enough library manipulation with cards mm. like Ponder and Preordain mm. that it's actually not out of the question sometimes too. So, uh, yeah, I, I I'm really excited about both those cards. And those are things where it's like, are they going to make it? Are they not? I don't know. But they're definitely close enough that you'll consider them. And ultimately, I think that's very exciting when you release a bunch of cards that uh, people are like, ooh, maybe maybe I should give this a try, right? Just like what you're doing. Yeah. And after playing it for a month, maybe you decide, eh, it's actually not what we wanted it to do. But it's good to have an alternative to, say, Ulamog's Crusher, which has kind of been the de facto yeah. big thing you ramp into for a really long time. For sure, yeah. So, the next question is, what is your favorite Commander Legends downshift in the set? I imagine there's quite a few. Yes, well, yes, there are, are quite a few uh, that are interesting to me. But there's one that I've been excited about for a very long time. And before I say what it is... I, you know, before the show, we were talking briefly, and Scott was mentioning that he had heard that there was one that I really, really liked, but he had been putting together a list of all the ones that could possibly be because there were so many. So I am curious, Scott, if you if you think you know what mine is, or if you have any, uh, what are some of the top hits that you would guess mine might be? Well, this is the thing, right? You said you said a couple of things already, like that you enjoy, you know, playing some control decks and like seeing big creatures, and these are all things that are in this set that have been downshifted, but. Something, for some reason, is drawing me to Foundry Inspector. It makes me think that this is something that mm. you definitely had some input in. Because this definitely feels like a... I can, I can hear you in my head going, wouldn't it be neat if we were able to get Foundry Inspector a common? That's my guess. <laughs> you can say that about any card, though. Right, and then it just goes, it goes <laughs> into the side. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, might, that, that card might do some really cool stuff, like Affinity-style yeah. decks. Um, I, I, maybe there's some... I'm sure... I'm not going to say maybe... I'm sure there is some combo you can do with multiple Foundry Inspectors too, right? Oh, yeah. Like double Foundry Inspector plus like Guild Globe plus, I don't know, something you figured out. Maybe you need three of them. I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, it was not the card, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad you thought of me. That's one that I, that I think I had in there very early on and is super exciting. Nice. Um, the, the, card, the, the card that uh, I was super stoked about is, um, you know, so I, I, like, as I mentioned, I like playing control decks. And something that from a game design perspective I always thought was very interesting about Popper is when it comes to sweepers, you've got a black sweeper. You've got, like, Evan Carr's Justice, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but red, which, of course, is a notable color for sweeping boards, didn't really have access to anything. You have electricery, but that's about as good as it gets, right? You yeah. get one damage, not two damage. And to me, this was a hole in the format, especially because it made black-based control decks substantially more interesting than red-based control decks. Um, I tried building a number mm -hmm. of decks that were, for example, scred decks, like a blue-red snow control yeah. deck, but it always came down to you just don't have any kind of sweeper you can play besides electricery. And um, it seemed like a thing Red should have access to, so I started off with Pyroclasm in the set at Common. Ooh. And then when I handed off the set, it was a Steam Blast, which is a card from Urza Saga. Yeah. Three mana deals, uh, two damage to everything at instant speed. And uh, in, in the end, when Jules Robbins, the final designer, added Pirates as a theme into the set, it got shifted into Fiery Cannonade, but more or less that Steam Blast most of the time. Perhaps even better than Steam Blast in the sense that um, you could build a cool pirate tribal deck around it if you really wanted to in Popper. That's one of those maybe tier three things that could be kind of fun. <laughs> but so that, that's a card that I've been very excited about, about for a long nice. time, is this red sweeper. Um, and, you know, even as recent, I did a Popper AMA on the uh, Popper subreddit earlier this week, and that was something that other folks noted a couple times, as they would love to have a red sweeper uh, in the format. So I'm glad that I was able to bring that. Now, once again, I know that some folks have been along the lines of, well, this is a card that will make, be very good in Tron decks, which is uh, certainly uh, taken to heart and, and noted. Um, yeah. But 
in general, I think especially long term, I think this will be a really good thing to have around um, for the format and can do some really cool stuff. I also think that um, the the gameplay in general of having some kind of like big red green creature mm-hmm. deck that plays a small damage sweeper is something very cool and novel that we don't see mm-hmm. in a lot of other formats. And that's the thing that this kind of card can enable you to do. Um, so we'll see how it plays out, ultimately, especially once all the dust settles with this set. But I, that's a card that I, I'm very excited about um, and has been a pet card that I think when I handed the set off to Jules, I was like, I want the Steam Blast to stick all the way through. And, and it basically more or less did. Plus, you can find it off of Mystical Teachings, and that's pretty neat. <laughs> exactly. There you go. And you're, now you know I love Mystical <laughs> Teachings, right? So now I can finally... I tried this version of my blue-black teachings deck for a while that splashed red for Scred, mm-hmm. Because it was just so awesome to be able to mystical teachings up a scred, um, and now that I, I mean, uh, a card that I was playing in my blue black teachings deck, believe it or not, was Whale of the Nim. Oh, it's I know this it. Three mana instant yeah. that deals one damage to all creatures, right? And uh, it's, it's a little janky, but uh, against elves, you really needed it. Yeah. And now maybe I can, uh, I can put some red in there. I have Ash Barons already. I can put some red in there, land cycle for a mountain, and get to casting a fiery cannonade. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, you can add some brainstorms in as well. It's basically a legacy deck. <laughs> yeah, right. I need Delphus. Popper, the format where uh, where the spells are amazing and the creatures are meh, you know, except for Delver. <laughs> Ironically, I'm, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that Fiery Cannonade is not really a great card in blue-red Delver decks mm. because, yeah. of course, it kills off all your own creatures. So uh, maybe you sideboard some, but uh, it's nice that uh, it doesn't give more to that. That's it. Yeah. Maybe this will be the grand return of Augur of Bolas I've been waiting for. <laughs> oh, yeah, there we go. Sweet card. <laughs> yeah, three toughness is great. Uh, Augur of Bolas, is, or as I always feel it is, uh, two mana, look at your top three cards, but at the bottom of your library. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But hey, maybe this will help out. I thought the oracle text actually was look at the bottom three cards of your library, but it's basically the same. <laughs> yeah, same deal. Same deal. Um, so, Gavin, we already talked a little bit about shifting. Uh, cards down to common for Popper and and what your criteria is for that. Um, so I'm going to shift this question slightly differently to ask it to be a little bit more relevant. So what do you look for in a card when you're deciding on downshifts and what will you be looking for as a result of these cards that are entering the format now? Yeah, so a big thing for us when looking at downshifts, I mean, provided that we want to make one, um, is first of all, is it going to fit the limited environment? Because if a card shows up at common it's going to be show up a lot more often mm. than limited. You know, a lot of uncommons get away with, like, ah, oh, it's, it's maybe not right for limited or, or what have you, but it's uncommon. It's only going to show up every now and then. Where commons, you're just going to see over and over and over again. And even though Commander Legends is larger, you're still going to see a bunch of these, these commons. Um, so th- when designing the set, that's the first thing, right? Can the set take this at common? And often, you know, when we're, we're downshifting a card, a big thing that we're doing with it is trying to hit a limited theme. And if you look at some of the big downshifts in Commander Legends, cards like uh, Makeshift Munitions, mm. cards looks like Fiery Cannonade, those are both downshifted to help out archetypes, the Red-Black Sacrifice archetype and the Pirates archetype, um, respectfully. Or even things like the Annoyed Altasaur are there for the big green ramp decks. Um, the uh, the like, blue-green uh, ramp deck has, has wants cards like that. So we, I, I know it's not a downshift, but that's the kind of card we would make there. So yeah. um, a lot of these downshifts, first of all, are, are there to really help these themes tick. Um, when... Thinking about uh, a downshift, another another big thing for us is simply, could, if I look at this card, does it look like it could be a common? Hmm. And that's sort of the, the half art, half science thing that goes into making magic sets. Um, but, you know, if a card is doing something really wonky that feels uncommon, um, shifting it down to common is going to be hard. Like a card that I got a request for, I think, in my popper AMA the other day was um, Damping Sphere, this card Oof, from yeah. um, Dominaria mm-hmm. yeah. that uh, makes things cost more. And you look at that card, it's just like, you know, this just making this a common is going to be a really, really tough sell. Yeah. And if you look at both those reasons, right, it both doesn't make sense as a common because it's going to show up a lot and it's basically useless and limited. Mm-hmm. And um, two, it, you look at it and it just doesn't feel like a common. Like you read those lines of text and that's not something that a common card would, would do. So you have to kind of think about those things. And, you know, there's always this fuzzy gray area of, well, Goblin Barbarment is normally not common, but here, because it's Commander, yeah. maybe it's okay. Or, hey, you know, an eight mana Cascade card is not normally common, <laughs> but maybe it is here because of Commander. Yeah. So, you know, get to fuzz that line a little bit depending on your set. But those are two of the main criteria we tend to look at when downshifting cards. I'll never forget um, Mortician Beetle, I think, was one that we downshifted oh, yeah. in a Master yeah. set. It was went from rare to common. One of my <laughs> sign of the wild too. One of, one of my favorite uh, downshifts is the common is the common downshift that uh, starts out as a rare. And those are cards that we looked at. And we're like, you know what? 
there's no reason Sign of the Wild nor Mortician Beetle have to be rare. Like the, the rates are good, right? But um, there are a lot of lines of text that are very simple and easy to understand. So we were able to downshift them. Um, and so we can downshift pretty far as long as um, the card feels like it could be a common in a lot of ways. For sure. There are a couple of downshifts as well in Elves as well, isn't there? Elvish Vanguard? El- Elvish Vanguard was a yeah. rare, yeah. Elvish Vanguard was originally a rare in Onslaught Block. And then I talk about a huge add to the Popper Elves deck yeah. that helps it survive sweepers and gives it a really, really big beater. So, yeah, that, that's a gigantic one. Yeah, yeah, that, make, that makes sense, yeah. Because there are some rare cards that I see and I'm like, eh, this could be fine in Popper. It could make sense. So, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think if you look at those two elements, it'll give you a good heuristic. And uh, sometimes, you know, we break, break those rules to some degree, but that's usually what we're looking for. Sweet. Nice. Right, so next question. We sort of answered half of it earlier, um, but I'll ask it again anyway. Um, so is there a specific effect you would like to try and get into Pauper at some stage? So this is part one. A lot of the effects that I think would be really great to have in Pauper are, are of course, antithetically uh, ones that aren't that common. <laughs> um, and so that, that makes it very, very difficult, you know. Um, for example, uh, there's a number of hate cards that I think can be really good to have around at common, but are a challenge because they're really not common effects. Like going back to Damping Sphere, if that's the kind of card you want to have in the format, it's just not a thing that can be common. And I do think that, you know, there's this hot debate, and I'd be curious on both of your takes, mm-hmm. um, because I've asked the Popper community a lot, and people are often pretty split, as to if people want us designing cards for Popper, um, or if they just want things to happen organically. And I am mostly in the camp of things happening organically, with the occasional, like, downshift with, with the format in mind. Um, because, you know, there's maybe a set where we could put some of these hate cards in at common, um, mm. but that, that suddenly that's going to be like us crafting, crafting the format, right? Do, do you want to see um, a, a huge upheavals of the format uh, based on some kind of curation? So, uh, yeah, I'd be curious. What, what do you two think about that, first of all? Like, do you, are you, which side do you fall on? Do you want us to see, like, things aggressively put into Popper at common, or would you prefer that, like, oh, things kind of just fall out how they do? I think I'm with Gavin on this. Like, I prefer things to happen organically, um, but I guess you need to look at the format as a whole. So there is the elephant in the room, which is Tron, and you know we have to talk about it at some point. Um, <laughs> it would be nice to have some more answers for that at some point, but I think I prefer things to come organically because if I, I think if I remember when War of the Spark came out, I think it was Donald Smith said something where they were aggressive, they were pushing like the power level of like commons and uncommons for limited and for like constructed play, um, which which has an impact on pauper as well. Um, so by seeing that, that's been a pretty interesting way to see how pauper's been shaping up. I'm in the camp that I prefer it just to happen organically because the format's already pretty, like the carpool's already massive as it is, and there's so many options already. Yeah, I think I'm inclined to agree, possibly for slightly different reasons. Um, I like the almost DIY kind of feel to pauper in that this was a format that was created by people that had a love for magic and wanted to play it differently and make it easily accessible for people that just had a load of draft chaff lying around. You could just build a deck and you can play. And that's fantastic. And while I do personally have things that I would love to be able to see in the format, for example, I would love like a two mana two, two, just a grizzly bear that says players can't search libraries. Now, I'm not a game designer. You're probably sitting there, Gavin, thinking that I'm out of my mind. But <laughs> but that kind of effect, to me, seems like it's fine. And that's something I'd like to have in the format so that I could, you know, do some silly shenanigans with, like, cleansing wildfire or something. But I'm also aware that just because I want something in the format doesn't mean that we should then just go and totally upend the format um, for the sake of putting different things in that people want necessarily. Because... You can you can start to lose the spirit of Popper in that sense. To me, anyway, I'm a, I'm a little bit more on the feel of it than the uh, making a point of curating it specifically. But I do like that it has some attention put towards it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think your point about feel is really good. And kind of when I think about how we impact Popper with sets, I'd say a lot of it is like directionally as mm. opposed to specifically. Where, like, as I mentioned earlier, it's like okay, we're gonna do Commander Legends, so we know that what's gonna happen here is we're gonna get get, get some cards that wouldn't normally be common uh, because they are more of commander-style commons, yeah. right? So it's like you know we're going to get some big creatures. You know we're probably going to have some common board sweepers. And um, 
we didn't necessarily choose the exact ones for Popper, but it's like we know that those things are going to show up, and then once they're in the file, we can talk about them in, in that regard. Like, it's not like we designed the uh, the Altasaur for Popper, mm. but once it's there, it's like, oh, hey, let's talk about that in the context of Popper, right? And, and, and think about that a little bit. So I think that's like a good happy medium for me, where it's like we're thinking about how it will impact things, and we're thinking about the kind of direction the set might go mm. in, um, but we're not... We're not like being like, okay, this set specifically needs this card to help fix the format. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like a, a nice little in, in, intermediary place. But I'd be very curious to all the listeners out there, you know, if you have thoughts on this, please hit me up on Twitter or elsewhere. I would love to know what, what you think because there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions. And it's very interesting for me reading through threads like the Fall from Favor thread where people are very frustrated. They're like, oh, man, this card's going to be incredibly powerful and popper. What are you doing? Right next to a thread on the Reddit about like, hey, I wish Wizards would not meddle in Popper's affairs. And it's like, well, those two things are kind of contradictory, right? Like, one is, we're just making the card that, that we feel is right for the format, and the other one is like, oh, you're, you're trying to make cards for, for this format in particular. So it's, it's quite interesting, and uh, I love what people have to think on it. Yeah? Oh, yeah, also, a second part to the question we kind of talked about earlier with the red-green deck. Um, is there a deck archetype that, that you'd like to see that isn't represented in Popper that you'd like to try and make real with the downshifts and the introductions of these new commons? Yeah, I mean, one of the great things about Popper to me is just how many different deck types there are. Like, for almost so many different kind of decks under the sun, whether you want aggro, control, combo, mid-range, it's all there, which is really cool. And to me, really, my biggest hope is it just inspires new archetypes, right? Like, if there's some kind of sacrifice archetype that shows up with mixture of munitions, that's great. If there's a ramp archetype that shows up with these huge cascade yeah. cards, that's awesome. And um, I think one of the most alluring things to me about Popper is being able to, like, walk into a... You can be a very seasoned Magic player, right? You can have played Magic for 15 years, seen all the competitive formats, no standard, no modern, no all this, and you can walk into a Popper room, and you can see archetypes you have never considered, right? You can <laughs> see this red-white Monarch deck and be like, what in the world? You're, like, gaining the Monarchy, and you're, like, core skyfishing back Prophetic Prism? Like, what is happening? And it's a super cool moment. Um, and I know for me, that's how I was. Like, I, you know, I, I was literally a game designer on Magic when I first came to Popper uh, seriously, and I looked around and was just like, these decks are awesome. There's so much cool stuff here. Like, this this Tortured Existence deck, you never find this anywhere, right? And <laughs> um, so, to me, I think, I, I really hope it inspires new archetypes and continues to create uh, diversity, especially at that at that Tier 2 um, level. Of course, if it breaks into Tier 1, all the better. But uh, lots of cool stuff to play with. Yeah. Here. I do have to say, you mentioned Tortured Existence there. It's one of my favorite <laughs> decks. Thank you very much for Fleshbag Marauder. I appreciate it. <laughs> that, that, that is one that I think we'll see plenty of, of play in, in that archetype. Yeah, talk about a card, by the way, uh, that is certainly not common. Tortured existence is like clearly yeah. just an uh, absurd yeah, common to have in a magic set. Um, but uh, but here we are, and there's definitely some fun parts about Popper too, where it's like, yeah, back in Stronghold, someone felt like making this card. I don't know why, but here it is, and now it's a linchpin of a deck. So there's a bit of fun fun there too with the format. I think just on those kinds of cards like Tortured Existence and those sort of unique effects that you would see at Common, do you think there would be any cards like that that could potentially make its way into the Popper format at some stage? Yeah, I mean, one, one request I actually got on the AMA the other day was to do more build-arounds at Common. Mm. And generally, I, I love that direction. Um, I think it's really cool to have those kind of build-arounds there so you can um, you can find new and cool, interesting decks to create. When we're, we're building limited environments, um, you know, for, say, a standard draft set, often we put those kind of build-arounds at Uncommon, because if they're at Common, they can be very imbalancing. You know, imagine mm. if you were drafting Aquaria, but Zenith Flare was Common, everyone would just go for cycling decks all the time, more than they already mm. did, perhaps, because you, it would just be so easy to find this card and have multiple copies in your deck. So we, we are often very careful about that, especially in standard sets, but in commander-style sets like this, in um, battle bonds, in master sets, we get to be a little more lenient with that kind of thing, mm. and I could see us doing some more there at common, and especially for unique archetypes, I think is a great place, place to do it. I, once again, I mean, maybe it's not quite powerful enough, but makeshift munitions... Um, might be a thing that inspires something like that. Yeah. I, it ended up at Uncommon, maybe fortunately or unfortunately, I'll let the reader decide, but Fiery Celebration ended up in the set at Uncommon. I think it was common for a little while. That could have been a card that really created an archetype in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so we're definitely interested in experimenting with stuff like that, and uh, I think you'll find some common build-arounds here and there that will be really fun for the format. Sweet. All right, next question we have for you, Gavin. This is a, this is a bit of a big one. What are your thoughts on the Monarch mechanic in Pauper, and how do you expect these new cards to impact the format? Do you expect it to be a few solid weeks of everybody has the monarchy? Yes. Smash, smash the monarchy. Um, okay, so 
first of all, uh, it's interesting for me because I've been there since more or less the beginning on this one. Mm-hmm. Right? I was on the Conspiracy 2 design team. And we've always known since the beginning that Monarch is a ridiculous, silly one-on-one mechanic. Right? It's amazing in multiplayer. It is awesome in multiplayer. It is good. so good. It is so good, in fact, there are many commander players out there who just start the game with the Monarch in player. Say, hey, turn three, someone's going to randomly become the Monarch. Because it makes the game move. It keeps you action throughout the game. Yep. It is awesome. And we love using it here. And it was a slam dunk for Commander Legends. On the literal flip side of that is in one-on-one, it can be extremely miserable sometimes. Right? It's very easy to snowball with it because naturally you're playing one-on-one. One player gets a one-sided howling mine. Turns out they start becoming very good at not taking damage very quickly. <laughs> Um, now, admittedly, I have played some one-on-one games. Like every now and then it does happen where it is actually interesting, right? You have two aggro decks and, you know, you draw your, your um, Thorn of the Black Rose or something in, like, say, the Mono Black versus Delver matchup. And you're like, okay, can I kill off their Delvers long enough that they won't gain the Monarchy and, you know, do all this stuff? So there is some interesting play there. But on the whole, I would say that we know Monarch is extremely powerful. Mm. Um, what, what has happened in Popper is, although Monarch is extremely strong, the decks that it has inspired... I think have been really novel and interesting. It's kind of gotten by on that, where like the red-white Monarch deck, to me, is one of those decks, to what I was mentioning earlier, where you walk into the format and you're like, what in the (laughs) world is this? Like, this is so cool and interesting. There's this red-white deck that has a ton of card advantage. And um, so it's kind of gotten by on being okay because it's just, well, it's clearly strong, but it's not the best thing you could be doing, I think. Um... Now, of course, we're adding a bunch of new Monarch cards into the format. Many of them are, are strong. There's some strong blue ones, especially. I think Fall from Favor is the, uh, is the big one everyone's been discussing. But there's also a new one, in this, uh, another new one, a 4-mana 3-3 yeah. Pirate, um, that gives you the Monarchy, which is, qu- is quite strong as well. And uh, I would expect many of these cards to make a splash. So, you know, kind of for us, and I'll, I'll just say this outright to everyone, is... I know there's been a lot of feedback on Popper Balance in the past couple months, and I actually I brought this up to our game balance team, our, our play design and game balance team. I was like, hey, we should take a look at the Popper format again. I know we took a look back when we banned um, a card a few months ago. Let's take another look at it. And kind of our conclusion was we all knew that Commander Legends was going to shake the format up radically. Yeah. So given that, let's see what happens after Commander Legends and then make any changes we want to make in one fell swoop. Like maybe we'll release Commander Legends and it'll actually self-balance in a lot of ways, and it'll be fine. Maybe it will release Commander Legends, and everything will be a, a Monarch-based disaster, <laughs> and we'll have to go in and, and change a bunch of things. But regardless, like let's not make a bunch of changes right now before the format is about to get a huge influx of cards added into it. Mm. So, um, you know, for everyone out there listening, within the next month or so, month and a half after Commander Legends hits Magic Online, we're going to be looking a lot at the results of those events and um, not just the events, but we actually have access to every popper game that is played on Magic Online to kind of look at all the data. Mm. Um, and we can look at all that and start to craft what we think the right, the right direction for the format is and what things might need to, be, need to be done. And like I said, it's totally possible that all this happens, and even though there's a bunch of power being added in, things self-balance. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. I, I can't say at this point. But if things um, are imbalanced, uh, I know that we're totally willing to take action on it. And uh, there's a lot of, of people, bugbears and popper player sides. I've been there for a while now, mm. and we'll definitely take a look at those. And I know Tron, of course, being the the one that is reiterated over and over <laughs> and over again. Um, we took, we gave it a hit last time with Expedition Map. Um, whether or not that was enough, I know there's a lot of debate mm. about. And now mm. we're adding a bunch of huge, uh, you know, seven eight mana cards into the <laughs> format. So um, definitely, it will be a time to look at that that deck again. Uh, going forward yeah. but we'll have to wait and see and really i want to see what players come up with once all these new cards enter yeah i'm 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 pretty happy with that to be honest because like you said like if you were to if you were to go and make some changes to the format and then throw this in and then have everybody scrambling to try and figure everything out while all these cards are hitting the format it would be a mess and then it, it would likely not be a mess that could be solved very quickly yeah everything would just be up in the air Right. We figured let's just get the information and see see how it goes. So we'll get that information and and roll with it. Um, I, you know, we're gonna mostly look at Magic Online too for this mm-hmm. data. I encourage you to tweet me with your thoughts. Um, you know, anyone out there, please send in me your opinions as well. In general, like Magic Online is the best data source we have for popper play because it's worldwide. It doesn't focus on any particular local meta game. And frankly, right now with the state of the world, it is it is the popper play that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have individual thoughts uh, or you know things that have happened in your playtesting, please send them my way, and I'll be happy to take a look at them and pass them along to the, the appropriate people. Sweet. Oh, and so next question, we kind of talked about it already. Your favorite pauper deck is Teachings. Is there any other decks that you enjoy playing outside of Teachings? 
Yeah, my favorite popper deck when I want to play my favorite deck is Teachings. My favorite popper deck to play when I want to win is Elves. Oh. Uh, elves is extremely strong. Um, it's got these absurd early starts. And uh, I don't know, maybe I just added Fiery Cannonade to the format <laughs> so I can make my life a little bit harder. I don't know. But every, every time I play Elves, I just can't lose. I remember uh, it was at Magic Fest Seattle last year, and I like just had some time and was like, oh, I'll play in this like, popper side event. And I went up to Kendra Smith and was like, hey, Kendra, can I just like, can I borrow your Elves deck? And she's like, yeah, more than happy to lend you my Elves deck. Sounds like a blast. And without having played a game with her list, I sat down and 5 would the event. <laughs> I, don't, I think I didn't drop a single game. Wow. Right. So uh, I'm very much in lo- love with Elves. And uh, I think it's always been a really strong strategy because it counteracts a lot of the top strategies in the format. Elves tends to be good against Tron and Delver. Mm. And um, those are both things that have been at the top of the format for, for a long time. And basically, there's like almost no matchup where it's bad, right? Like any, even in a matchup that has a ton of removal, you can always just hit like turn one elf, turn two elvish vanguard, go to town, and you, you brick on your removal spell and I kill you. So um, yeah, uh, elves is, is my number one when I'm actually trying to, to win matches. Nice. I was not nice. expecting that. I thought I thought you were going to turn around and say Boros Monarch or something because you've gushed yeah. about it so much already. I, I, you know, it's one of those things where I love the Boros Monarch deck existing, and I do love like grinding people out. Like, hey, we're going to play a thirty-turn <laughs> game where I'm like slowly incrementing advantage. Yeah. But I think it is you know a, a testament to to the format that a deck like Boros Monarch can gain, have the monarchy for so many turns and still have some really great back and forth gameplay. And for me, I tend to just want to like, if I'm going to play a control deck, I'm going to play teachings and play like the kind of counterspell based control deck I want to play. If I'm going to play an aggro deck, I'm just going to play uh, this elves deck and be like, yeah, I'm going to get you really quick. And monarch is a little bit too in the middle for me. Um, but I think it's an amazing deck and I do, I do enjoy that it exists in the format. Nice. What are both of your favorite decks? So I'm curious. Well, mine's Bogles, unsurprisingly. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, no, no shock there. I suppose Emma, are you ex- are you excited for the new uh, for the new Chomana's blessing? Yes, I am actually. I, I'm gonna have to try that once I can actually play Pauper. But yeah, that looks really neat. And um, I'm just waiting for Scott to talk about the walls deck, so I'm just gonna let him just let him go. <laughs> just just to delay Scott slightly. Sorry, Scott. I'll tell you a fun little story, which is uh, with the new Chomana's blessing. What happened was the so Chomana's blessing was in the set for a very long time, mm-hmm. and um, we eventually get to this point where we do an art review on cards and we see which cards we might need to replace art for. And we got to Chomano's Blessing, and the art director direction was, hey, you know, this is kind of, kind of an old piece. Let's just come up with a new art piece for mm-hmm. this, right? Let's, let's commission a new, a new piece of art for Chomano's Blessing. And um, it was like, wait a second. Well, if we're going to make a new card here, we could do whatever we wanted. So we investigated, like, all kinds of different cards yeah. we could put in this slot. And after looking at literally any common we could possibly want to make, we just came back to show Mano's blessing but it doesn't remove your own auras <laughs> so it was really funny that we you know we came full circle on that <laughs> card but i love the design of it i think i think it's cool that you can play it in your aura based mm-hmm. deck and it doesn't remove your own auras yeah. and also just shaving off the extra white colored mana is really nice as well so yeah. um I'll, I'll be jamming it because it's because it's auras but yeah but i'm just gonna let scott talk about walls now the amulet titan of pauper yeah let's walls. go <laughs> yeah emma keeps calling it the amulet titan of pauper uh is the the walls combo deck at this point, I'd say I've probably played more games of the Pauper Walls than any other Pauper deck, but that's probably like 90% of those games are me goldfishing it because I, I don't want to subject my opponents to sitting down to me going, okay, well, here's an 03, here's an 04, here's three more 04s. Um, infinite mana, hold on, I'm going to activate Vivian's Grizzly, I'm going to draw my entire deck, I'm going to find my win con, just, just a minute, just a minute. I don't want to subject people to that, so... Um, you subjected me to it multiple times, so... Oh, come on. <laughs> Why are you going to sell me out like that? <laughs> I don't want to subject people to it, comma, except Emma, who will be is my co-host and will suffer through whatever I put yeah, in. There you I, go. Was a very sad bo- I was a very sad Bogles player, just watching you, just like in the tank in 10 minutes on Moda, just going, I have this win, I just don't know how, which is how you play Ambulant Titan in Modern, so that's why I made the reference, just because... It's how I play every combo deck ever, is just, I, yeah. I can't, I can win? Can I? Hold on, let me think about this. And that's the next 10 minutes. <laughs> it's like playing Hard and Affinity in Modern. You think you have lethal, but you just need to figure it out. And if you want to figure it out. Right, so. right, right. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, so many combo decks in Popper, I think, are that way. You're like, I think I have the win. Let me go through my convoluted six-card interaction and see if it <laughs> actually works the way I think it does. Okay. Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of the Cycling Storm deck. That was a thing when Ikoria first oh, came God. out as well. Yeah, that <laughs> right. deck is nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, ah, uh, probably. <laughs> but, you know, those are honestly some of my favorite combo decks are the ones, too, where you're not 100% sure if you're going to go mm-hmm. off, right? Where it's like, if it's, I mean, well, of course, there are many fans of this. Um, 
and it's a very powerful deck. I have nothing against it. Splinter Twin Pestermite is like, okay, well, we, it's two cards. We know what's going to happen yeah. here. It, it's, like, simple, right? But when it's, like, a little more convoluted and you got to set up a few, a bunch of different cards to make it happen or when, like, you start going off your combo and you're not sure mm-hmm. if you can, like, draw the right pieces you need, to me, that's, like, a really cool moment. Um, and uh, I, so many of those decks exist in Popper. I think it's a lot yeah. of fun. It feels like you've earned the win. feels like you really worked hard <laughs> to get it. You've done your homework. You're like... You're like, teacher, double-check my, my homework and uh, see, uh, see I'll tell works. you the best two-card combo, which is Slippery Bogle and Ancestral Mask. So. <laughs> that, uh, pretty good combo. In fact, the more Ancestral Masks, the oh, better. exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it's all enchantments. It's not just yours. It's even better. So, Gavin, we do see you engaging an awful lot with pauper enthusiasts on the regular. Like you said, you were in AMA there on Reddit recently. Um, I believe you're going to be jumping into the pauper Discord at some point shortly enough um, to do uh, similar there. What is it that you love about the format so much that that brings you so far into the trenches, like you said at the at the start? Well, I think there's there's two big elements to it. There's the format element and there's the community element of it. And as I mentioned earlier, like to me, the format is awesome because you see decks here you see nowhere mm-hmm. else. And as someone who is a you know a Magic veteran of nearly twenty years, which I can't believe I'm saying, but a Magic veteran of ne- nearly twenty years, um, it's so cool to play a format like literally today. I will look through po- I can look through popper decks that are played and do reasonably well and still probably see decks I've never seen before. Like, your Walls deck, I, I only know because you've tweeted about it a bunch, <laughs> but if we sat down to play and you started doing that against me, I would have no idea what was going on. And to me, that's so cool, right? This format full of all these cards. I also have someone who loves weird restrictions, mm-hmm. and so uh, Common is just like a super fun restriction. In fact, I, obviously, Companions are a very touchy subject, but the Companion that I am most sad, most, 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 most sad, we cut from the set, was the Popper Companion, All Your Cards Had to Be Common. I thought that was a really, really fun Neat. companion to uh, to play with. Ultimately, like, there's just enough rules issues that Dave Humphreys was like, I'm not going to deal with this. <laughs> it's just going to be a hassle and make us write a bunch of comprehensive rules or whatever. Um, but I loved it because the idea of playing an all-popper deck in um, standard I thought was really, yeah. really cool. Um, so anyway, that kind of restriction really appeals to me. But I'll say, on the uh, outside from just the format, the community is so wonderful because it's so passionate. Right? I mean, the popper community is small. Mm. It, it, it just is compared to, to a yeah. lot of things. And w- that's why we're not designing specific things for it at this point. But it's growing. And the players are so passionate. Like, if you love Popper, you really love Popper. If you love Popper, there's a good chance you have, like, six Popper decks. And you're like, hey, come over to my house. I don't want to play Popper with you. And there's this kind of infectious, like, I want to play play this format with you. It is so much fun. Mm-hmm. Let me show you my format. Uh, and, and I really enjoy that element of it. So um, that's why I love interacting with the community so much is because of the community, because they are so great. Um, alongside the fact that I think the format is just very interesting. Uh, every LGS, there is that pauper guy that has like 10 pauper decks that just waltzes in going, you know, play whatever. And it gets everyone into the format, which is really, really sweet. Like mm-hmm. Scott. Yeah, I'm feeling very seen here because before <laughs> we started this uh, interview, before we started this chat, uh, I was actually in the Irish Magic Discord offering to send people pauper decks so that we can play over webcam. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a real thing. It happens. Right. To, to me, it is so telling when you're like, my format is so fun, I want to make sure you can play it, right? Because there's a lot yeah. of formats where that, that's not necessarily true for. People are just like, yeah, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Standard. Standard is a lot of great stuff. And actually, Standard right now is yeah. amazing. Standard is like, it took a while to get here. But I think Standard right now is very good. But with Standard, you don't have that kind of like, um, hey, I've got 20 standard decks built. Let me lend you mm. one style feeling that Popper often has. And part of that, of course, is the non-rotating nature of the format where you can just keep your decks around. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I think that kind of, kind of thing is very infectious. And when it comes to a grassroots format like Popper or Commander, for that matter, you see that a lot where people will keep extra decks around just because they want other people to play their format. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's so wonderful to me. Speaking speaking as someone with uh, seven popper decks and six commander decks sitting on the desk beside me, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I think both popper and commander have in common, which is very powerful, mm-hmm. is and, and even modernized to some extent as well, is that you can spend forever building decks. Like you might spend more time building popper decks and commander decks than you ever do actually playing the formats, but it's because there's so much <laughs> to go out and explore that you want to like sit down and like spend all this time building decks. And to me, that's really awesome. It shows off this cool creative side of magic um and it's great because even right now during a global pandemic we can like still have fun brewing new decks in our homes yeah 100 definitely all right so next question going back to scott's question about the community and how ingrained and how passionate they are do you think pauper could benefit from an advisory group in a similar vein to the commando advisory group you know it's, it's a very interesting question um 
and you know, you, if you start asking for Popper, you also start asking it why not for every other mm-hmm. format too. You know, like maybe should every format have an advisory group? And to me, where I draw the line and why I think it's really nice that Commander has one, but I don't, I don't necessarily think Popper does, is Commander is a format that is not about winning. Right? It's really about sitting down and in the spirit of the format and having fun playing. And of course, I say that for some people, it is very much about winning. So I'm not discounting those folks. And everyone always loves winning, right? Like we're always happy to win. But with Commander in particular, it's not about winning um, for, for so many players. Where with any competitive format like Standard, Modern, Legacy, Popper, so often it is like I want to try and win mm-hmm. this game. And when it comes to that style of gameplay, I think it's nice that we can control it because we have access to all of the data. Um, we, you know, as game designers, know what's coming down the pipeline and, and how, what's going to be impacted that way. And um, whereas in Commander, it really is about the spirit of the format, and that's a very, very important thing. Mm. So, personally, I, I'm happy with the current direction that we have for Popper. I'd love to know what the community thinks, though, so please feel free to send me tweets, and if you're like, if, there's, if everyone's like, wow, we would love if we did our own thing here, then certainly I'll happy, happily take a look at that. Um, it, it's an interesting thought, for sure. Is it something, I'm curious, is this something you would want? Uh, what do no, you it's just, uh, I was just thinking about it, because it's like, it's just very community, like, his origins was just mm. some person made it and wanted to make use out of their draft chat. And because it's so curated and driven by the community, like like Commander, there could be an argument that you could just have an advisory group that can just relay between yourselves and, and the players. Yeah. Initially, I would have said no if if you'd asked me. But the more I think about it, the more I think it's a neat concept. Because, again, like like you said, it's very, very community heavy. So when you think Popper, there are some especially notable pillars within the community. Like you've got Alex Ullman, you've got Brian DeMars and Kendra Smith. And you? Uh, us, of course, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yes, <yourself>. yes. <laughs> we are important too. Um, no, but there are there are a couple of like very obviously prominent pauper players that, that are respected, sometimes maybe not respected enough. And they're a massive boon to the format. Like they are the, the, the people that are helping to keep it going and helping to keep it strong. And the idea of having them in some sort of like advisory group would be cool. But more as a, as I think that I think like heavy stress on the word advisory, if anything was to happen, because it's not like, it's not like we're going to pull the trigger on making decisions, but rather we feel like the format looks like this. And then you as game designers can take that information on board, mix it with what you know is coming and what can be done and, and be able to use it like that. So I think it could work. But I wouldn't be pushing for it necessarily. Yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, I, I, sh- I should I should clarify too. I, I want to make a very strong distinction here between the, the, the an advisory group and people controlling the yeah. format. I, I don't. The, the commander has the commander rules yeah. committee, which yeah. you know they do they do the balance, they do everything. I don't agree with that. For oh Bob. no, I agree. Oh no, no. But no. an advisory group like what what um uh like what you're describing, I, I think could absolutely fit fit the popper framework. Just to, to be yeah. very clear. And in fact, well, I know it's not like codified. It kind of already exists, and it's me talking to all of you on the internet, <laughs> yeah. um, right? The, like, I have an active chat thread yeah. with, with Alex Ullman where we message each other about Popper stuff all the mm-hmm. time. Kendra Smith, we talk about Popper um, not as often as me and Alex do, but still pretty often via DM mm-hmm. on Twitter. Y- y- in fact, you, like, we've talked about uh, Popper uh, as well, some there too. So um, I like to think that in some sense that is, <laughs> it is... Un- informally kind of there it's, it's like yeah. Nick F- Gavin's Nick Fury Avengers Cabal of like popper people to talk to him um, I've, along with like the group vote of me reading the subreddit mm. a lot so um, I guess it maybe in an informal sense it already exists and I encourage you if you're you know if you're a major popper content creator and you're hearing this please reach out to me like I am a direct conduit to the play design and game balance teams Multiple times that popper bans have happened in the past couple of years, it's been because I went to Dave and was like, hey, we should make a change. Like when there are all the Delver bans mm-hmm. that happened, that was me going and talking to them about it. When those recent uh, round of bans happened, that was me going to them and talking about it. Um, and you know, then they go from there and try and figure out what they want to touch. But it's important that I re-up it with them. So, um, and I, send, I do send along all kinds of feedback and threads that people send me. So if you are out there and you have popper thoughts, I really send them my way. And w- whether or not there's an official advisor group or not, you're welcome to join the, the Nick Fury Secret <laughs> Avengers Gavin Advisor Group, and uh, and I'll send over as much as nice. I can. Nice. My my superhero Nick Fury Avengers name is going to be the Human Wall. Uh, Human Wall. Perfect. And I'm Pants Girl. So perfect, perfect. Well, I'm glad we have this all figured out, and I'll uh, I'll get your membership cards in the Excellent. mail. 
So, Gavin, you know quite a bit about the popper format, obviously. You're, you're one of the, the spearheads of it in Wizards. If you were to suggest a deck in popper to a format beginner, what would it, would it be and why? Yeah, well, two things. First, I think we have to distinguish like format beginner versus magic beginner because those are going to be very different questions, mm. right? If you're coming into magic, if you're relatively new and you're playing popper, then I'd probably just suggest a, a deck like uh, Burn or L, something that's like very easy to, to like get your, get your head behind if you aren't as familiar with the interactions. But if you're new to the just the format, like let's say you've played plenty of, of standard mm. or modern or what have you, which is really more the question that you're asking here, what I would get you started with is I would pick a deck that is very atypical to what you would normally see because I think it's really cool for you to play something that is novel and exciting. And I often like Monarch for this reason because it, it is something that you truly only see in Popper mm. and also teaches you a lot about what matters, mm. right? It teaches you a lot about what you have to care about in a Popper game, what other decks are doing, what you need to watch out for. Um, so that's one that I've recommended to a lot of folks, but of course it depends on their play style, right? If there's someone who really likes like grindy decks, Tordex is a super fun place to start because it's like, hey, have you, have you ever wanted to grind someone out in a game of Magic more than you've ever grinded them out with any deck you've ever played? Have I got the deck for you? <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, it's really, really nice to have that kind of stuff. Or, or if they love combo, like there's infinity different ghostly flicker four-card combo decks that I could suggest to you. Yeah. Um, so uh, it depends on the play style a little bit. But in general, the Monarch deck is one that I, I like to recommend. Yeah, that's fair. That is probably probably what I would start with as well. I, t- I tend to sort of refer to... I sort of flip them back and forth between Mono Black Control and Boros Monarch. I kind of refer to the two of them in different circumstances mm-hmm. as almost like the Jund of the format. It's kind of like that deck that yeah. sits in the middle that is never truly terrible. It's always it's always fine. And if you're if you're looking to get some practice in and to learn interactions within a format, that's the kind of deck to go for. Yeah, for sure. Where are you, Emma? Um, for me, I would probably go similar. So I would pick Burn because Burn's pretty simple to pick up. Um, and probably because I'm biased, but Bogles is actually a pretty fun one to play because it's just <laughs> you just go sideways pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say it if you didn't. I was like, I'm, I'm imagining like someone just walks in and they're like, hey, Emma, what should I play in this popper format? And you're like, oh, like here's, yeah, this is the best deck. Like, you got to play this. Like, Come on, what else are you doing? So, Do you want to fling a Bogle? Go for it. Like, it's great. Right, so the last question is more of a request rather than a question. Is there a chance you could design another 1-1 one, one with Hexproof at Common, please? I think I might put a uh, a one one with shroud into a future set just I'll to take it. just to get you. <laughs> I'll take it. You know? I'll buy it. <laughs> uh, no, that's a hard one to enchant. No, uh, I, I don't think so. Here's the deal with hexproof. You know, um, we have found that hexproof is most fun on like big creatures you cast late mm-hmm. in the game because it's like oh you play your big threat it's hard to hard to deal with. Um, you know, it creates some great great counterplay. It's it's less fun from a game balance perspective. Maybe, maybe not for certain Emmas in the audience. <laughs> but it's less fun in, from like a game balance perspective. If uh, you if the gameplay is hey I play my my invisible stalker and then I suit it up and you can't can't deal with it, um, so I, we're not exactly rare and excited to make more one drop hexproof stuff in the future. Um, but a place that I think you could see us entering in is we're toying a little bit more around with this um, can't be targeted unless you pay some mana to do mm-hmm. so. Like there's this um, blue partner commander that uncommon in the set that I think has like your commanders cost two or three more mana to, to target. Um, and I don't know if this is something you would play in Boggles. But a, uh, I can see something like that, right? A one or two drop that is difficult to target, but not impossible, which I think creates a pretty fun gameplay of like, hey, do you want to go all in on this creature? Mm. Is it right to enchant? At some point on turn five, your opponent could maybe Doomblade it, but it's going to take them a while to get there, you know? So um, maybe, maybe something, something like that. And yes, I know that is, of course, much weaker <laughs> for the Bottles deck, and maybe it wouldn't make the cut, but I think it's a very interesting card. Right, I, can, I can respect the play patterns and the decisions that come with it. Maybe, maybe though, you know, I'll never say never. Maybe, maybe we'll make one, right? There's, there's always room don't for ask, some bogginess. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> I think th- there's this goofy card I made in Mystery Booster that didn't make it. Um, I love making these dumb playtest cards from Mystery Booster. They're so much fun. One of my favorite mm-hmm. things I've ever worked on. Uh, it had this ability called Hex Prone. And hex-prone cards could only be targeted by your opponent's spells and abilities. <laughs> that, that was very, very fun. Good. You could like make a, an aggressive an aggressive one drop, uh, but then uh, you can enhance it with your own auras, which I thought was quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was just thinking there, and I do have one other little question, and it is somewhat related to Bogles, sort of. And that is, there are some cards at the common level that have protection. Like, for example, you said the new Chomano's Blessing and then original Chomano's Blessing. Cards like that where you can give a creature protection with either an aura or an instant or so on. Would it be possible to have at common 
a creature that inherently had protection from a specific color or whichever. Because we have Guardian of the Guild Pact, but we tend not to really see many other variations of that. Yeah, you know, looking back at magic history, I think there are a number of common creatures that have protection from a color. Um, I I believe, like, there's the invasion cycle, I think those are commons, of Mm. two-color bears that all have protection Mm, from a color. I I could be misremembering. But I know there are some. There's also cards like Beloved Chaplain, which are two-mana protection from creatures, which gets the job done pretty well. Um, Protection is interesting in that um, I think a little bit is nice, and it's, like, especially great as sideboard options. But you also have to be careful... Um, with how it can feel if it's a very main deckable yeah. card. Because it really sucks if it's like, oh, well, this protection from black card is actually just so good it's in my main deck, and now players playing black just feel yeah. silly because you feel like you get extra kind of randomly screwed when you play against them. So um, we have to be very careful with that with protection, but I don't think it's impossible. Another thing about protection that's kind of tricky that we've been experimenting with some is um, protection is, is pretty fun when it lets your creature get through. It can be a little frustrating when it's a infinity wall right you play your one mana one one protection creature and now you just block a black creature every turn for the rest of the game so um you might see us try some more stuff in the future too that's like protection uh or you know can't be blocked by Mm. black creatures that Mm. kind of thing or uh or things in that space can't be targeted by black spells hexproof from black spells things like that um i think there's a lot of room to play in there but no i don't think a common protection is off the table i think you'll see us granting it more often with uh with Mm. other effects and you will seen on creatures itself like god's willing or what have you um but certainly it could happen on a creature so i think that's all the questions we have gavin i don't know i mean you're still sounding pretty enthusiastic about everything so i don't think we've (laughs) talked you out quite yet so if you still have it in you if you'd like to make any plugs of where people can find you or if you want to give links to content or anything like that fire away yeah well um (laughs) You know, it's going to sound like very um, like self-aggrandizing or something, but uh, what I normally tell people these days, if you want to find me, is just Google me, which I know sounds like some big like, <laughs> like baller-style move, but really it's just like, I don't, know, I don't know what social media you're on. I'm basically my name on all my social media, so if you Google me, you'll find me, whether it's Twitter, Tumblr, uh, uh, Instagram, um, TikTok, like I'm, I'm everywhere, so I'm pretty easy to find, which is great. And then, of course, my newest big venture is my Good Morning Magic YouTube channel, which is kind of my big quarantine project. Mm-hmm. It eats up a ton of my time, but I'm super excited about it. It's a, I have a YouTube show three days a week where I kind of go behind the scenes on how we design cards and talk about um, details and stories of what we're doing upcoming and what we've done. So um, please go give it a follow, check it out. And uh, there's a lot of fun Commander Legends content up there, and I hope, uh, hope you'll have a fun time watching the videos. Otherwise, a big thing for me that I really want to reiterate is the community is so important to me, and I love hearing the, from the community. So if you have any thoughts, please reach out. Like, find your favorite social media platform of choice. Twitter's a great one, but really whatever works. And uh, just hit me up. I'd love to hear from you about what you think about Popper or anything else involving Commander Legends. It's, uh, it's been, been great talking about it with everyone. Yeah, I'm really, really mm. looking forward to this set. I'm excited I, to get a box. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to build a poor BDH deck out of a box. I'm going to challenge myself. It, it's time for the Prismatic Piper to shine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you actually ever tried um, Popper Commander before, Gavin? where you have a creature at Uncommon as the commander and everything else is a common. That's so good. Yeah, I was going to say, I've, I've tried Popper Commander, where your creature is an Uncommon and everything else is a common. Uh, I have not tried true Popper Commander with, with Prismatic Piper, though. That's a whole mm-hmm. new level of uh, a Popper Commander to now investigate into. You get, like, Prismatic Piper and, like, Chandler and Joven, <laughs> I think, are your options. So yes. A little constrained, admittedly. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I actually, believe it or not, one of the commander decks that I play the most is a peasant commander oh. deck. It's blue-green. It has Tachiova as the commander, um, but it's commons and uncommons mm-hmm. only, right? And it is super impressive to me how often this deck holds its own against other decks. In fact, I was on stream with it a, a few days ago, and I ended up winning the match with my you know, po- uh, peasant commander deck. So mm-hmm. there's a lot there that, that you can do. And turns out there's a lot of strong commons and uncommons mm-hmm. out there in the world. So uh, don't knock them. Yeah. Nice. I look forward to hearing what deck you build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll, I'll post it because I like limiting myself. So the fact that there's so many uncommon like legendaries, it's just like, sweet, Popper Commander, let's go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I actually have plans already for a Popper Commander deck. And this is a an interesting little turnaround is the commander commanders, more specifically, for this deck are going to be Chakram Slinger and Chakram Retriever. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be building it in paper. And funnily enough, the copy of Chakram Slinger and Chakram Retriever 
was originally signed by you the first time that we met. Huh. Well, that's amazing. That's that's very, very, very cool. Well, I give you the blessing to use them as legendary <laughs> creatures. So you have you have my my blessing. Yeah, it's got a it's got some combos in it, and I've decided to call it Infinite Zoomies because well, it's infinite and the doggo so zoomies. And I'll rock up with Soul Herder <laughs> and just make everyone's life horrible. So I'll, I'll bring down the fun. <laughs> Someone's got to Emma. I'm glad you're here. For <laughs> Someone's us. got a Blinkerstone Hall dignitary. If Tron's not going to do it, then I might as well. <laughs> thank you for listening to the bm cast if you have any questions comments or sweet brews you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com you can follow us at the bm cast on twitter search for budget magic cast on soundcloud and support us over at patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast we'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck